we start at ninth grade. So the students, and these are charter schools, so you, you take first comers or lottery winners, and um, many of these students are, are well behind when they come to our high schools. We have to really work hard now. We're achieving, they are achieving superior uh, test scores and other measures of achievement compared to the schools around them. But it's hard still. According to the Center for American Progress, up to 60% of students entering college require remedial classes in English or math. This can be a burden both psychologically and financially. Why do so many students need remedial classes in college? How can we provide students with an education that sets them up for college success? And how can colleges work more closely with the K through 12 education system to better prepare students for college and the jobs of tomorrow? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Mitch Daniels to find out. Mitch Daniels is President Emeritus of Purdue University and a former governor of Indiana. He was central to the founding of Purdue Polytechnic High Schools, a series of charter schools that help prepare students for college and future technical careers. Mitch also served in both the Reagan and Bush administrations and has long been a proponent of innovation in education. Today, Mitch joins me to discuss how we can better prepare students for college and the jobs of the future. Mitch, welcome to the show. I appreciate being uh, invited. I'm a fan of the show. Uh, Mitch, I've known you for a long time. Uh, going back to your days, uh, I think back in the Reagan and Bush administrations, and then, you know, as governor of Indiana, um, you've always had this interest in education. Uh, and I must say that you were very instrumental in helping uh, to start the Oaks Academy. I had Andrew Hart on the show, and he talked about the good work that Oaks is still doing. But where did this interest in education, particularly for some of our most challenged students, where did it come from? Because you do stand out as someone who has always been focused on uh, the least of us in terms of educational offerings in this country. I'd like to be thought of that way. I, I'd like to think that's accurate. I, I don't know, Kevin, how a, an active or concerned citizen could fail to be very deeply interested in these subjects. We all know that, that the um, most essential thing we can do for upward mobility and, and the maintenance of the American dream for all is to make certain that young people, particularly those who come from I'll say uh, difficult cultural circumstances where education is not um, a part of life from um, the earliest days, is not maybe as encouraged as it ought to be, who are sent, if we don't take steps, sent to schools which aren't going to uh, do much to improve that. I don't know how you can be interested in the quality of life in general in America, the success of our economy, just the simple justice uh, uh, fairness of, of our society, unless you're very interested in, in the subject you ask about. So I guess that's where it came from. And um, I've uh, tried to chip in from in literally every job I can think of, uh, public, uh, business, and uh, more recently actively in education at uh, Purdue University. 
So I want to talk to you about uh, a number of different things. Obviously, your role as governor as it relates to education. More recently, as the president of Purdue University, one of the leading universities in the country, and some of the unique things you've done there. But but I want to start with um, kind of this global question about the state of education generally. Um, you've been involved in several, in, in several ways at many different levels. How would you assess the state of our K-12 through education system generally, both the challenges and the opportunities? It's unacceptable. And, I, and that contention is unassailable. We, year after year after year in which the measurable results for our young people are um, far behind those of the, the nations that we hope to compete with and even nations that we don't think of as competitive. And so, um, yes, there are many, many bright spots and many, many wonderful people uh, trying hard and working hard. But to answer your question directly, uh, I don't know how anyone can look at the um, results that we've been experiencing and to say that they are either doing justice to the young people involved who are arriving at adult life you know, far less well-prepared than they should be, uh, or to our uh, society uh, as a whole, uh, who depends on, is going to depend on those young people to continue being prosperous and free. Now, of course, the whole uh, issue of how we educate, indeed, how we treat our young, is wrapped around a political package, if you will. Um, you and I both know this. Uh, I've always said there's no Republican or Democratic way to teach a kid how to read, write, or count. That being said, the partisan politics has gotten extremely intense. You face it as governor. Uh, how would you respond to folks who talk about things with that political lens attached to it? As in other contexts, you, you want to say to such folks, put the cudgel down, will you, just for a little bit. In fact, if you, if you can't stop uh, uh, thinking about looking at life through a partisan lens in, any, in, in other respects, where our young ones are involved, why don't we cease fire for a little while? Let's talk about what works. Um, surely we can all agree that that preparing young people for successful, autonomous lives um, is, uh, is a common goal, and one would hope so. And uh, so I, I, I would, and I did, always try to appeal to people that whatever our other differences, uh, however irresolvable other debates may be, you know, let's let's agree that when it comes to our young ones and and not so young ones, our college students, we ought to be um, uh, searching for th for res ways to get better results, things that are actually practical. You know, um, it's not that long ago, but it seems a, an age ago in terms of our political um, system. But when I left my previous job, or now my second previous job, we had made a lot of progress in um, changing the 
education system and at the time results in Indiana. And a lot of that happened in a bipartisan way. What's interesting, Mitch, though, is that um, once you decided to take on this job as president of Purdue, it really tied together in an interesting way. It knitted together your commitment to, you know, working class minority students who had challenges uh, and weren't really served well in the K through 12 system. And in particular, because of the STEM realities. And it's fascinating when you think about it. So many minorities in the state graduate and don't even qualify to apply to a place like Purdue. Uh, So many working class families uh, don't come from schools that give them even the credits they need to apply at a place like Purdue. And you decided to take it upon yourself to do what I think other college leaders should consider doing. You know, you want to create your own pipeline that would allow for some of these young students to graduate from a school that would make them more instantly eligible to apply to a place like Purdue. So talk about the uh, Purdue Polytechnic High School and and its sort of seeding, if you will, because it's so unique. And and frankly, I think it is so trendsetting that everyone in every state should consider something like it. Well, thanks for noticing. You expressed it accurately. I mean, uh, let me just point out what a lot of people don't know. I mean, Purdue is a place of such excellence for a long time, Nobel Prize winners and all the rest, that many people don't even know we're a public university, let alone a land-grant university. And land-grant universities, of course, were created to expand opportunity to the, um, you know, beyond the elites of society uh, to higher education. And and 150-plus years later, we're still um, committed to that mission and that identity. And so, uh, of course, it's unacceptable to us when too few young people from modest backgrounds and, and, and uh, uh, first-generation uh, backgrounds, and low-income backgrounds, uh, minorities, uh, were qualifying and coming to our school. Uh, so uh, uh, I finally decided again, I guess with the benefit of the direct exposure I'd had to K-12 education, that if we waited on that system to produce enough um, African-American students and other minorities, uh, enough low-income students to, um, to meet our goals here, we'd wait forever. So we did start high schools. We're up to three now. Um, and uh, uh, we have multiplied the very low number of students from the Indianapolis schools and now the South Bend, Indiana, uh, inner city uh, coming to in, to Purdue, it's still far too few. This is very hard to do, uh, Kevin. Um, uh, I don't have to tell you, you've, you're, you're a longtime leader in this area, but uh, we don't, at least at present, we, do, we, we start at ninth grade. So the students, and these are charter schools, so you, you take first comers or lottery winners, and um, many of these students are, are well behind when they come to our high schools. We have to really work hard now. We're achieving, they are achieving superior uh, test scores and other measures of achievement compared to the schools around them. But it's hard still. I'll tell you what, 
um, uh, we, we've learned is just as hard as trying to, you know, catch a student up in math, let's say, or just, or just basic uh, study skills is that uh, just uh, convincing them that they belong on a college campus, um, uh, cultivating basic um, practices like showing up on time and showing up for class and turning homework by a deadline, um, you know, sometimes take extra effort. So we make a lot of extra effort. Um, we now require each graduate of our high schools who qualifies to come for what we call summer start, which is weeks before the freshman um, year starts, where they get their first exposure, they learn a little bit about being a successful college student, earn their first few credits. I'm just going on at too much length because, but this is so important and the challenges of doing it, as proud as we are of that, the challenges are very, are very tough. I hope you're enjoying this episode of What I Want to Know, one of the most downloaded K through 12 education podcasts in the country. Make sure you don't miss any of these important topics. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast or social media platform. And leave a rating and review so we can bring you more of the topics you want to hear about. Now back to the conversation. What I love about this program is you said, look, you're not attacking the K through 12 system of the state. What you're doing is saying, you know there are challenges, but you're gonna make sure you build a pipeline of students. What advice would you give to other college presidents, and I'm sure you've talked to some, from land-grant colleges in other states who may be thinking about this, but they're concerned about their board's reaction, their K through 12 state superintendent's reaction, how, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about doing something similar? Go for it. And I know that many states, uh, uh, including some that always surprise me, Virginia, for instance, uh, are hostile uh, and are still captive, I guess, by the uh, to the by the uh, those who uh, so fiercely regard the status or defend the status quo. But um, I wouldn't let any of that deter you. Um, you know, at least in our case, uh, we, you had to start somewhere. And our, the numbers were so low that uh, we could make a noticeable improvement even out of the first and second, now three three schools. Um, so don't let the, uh, the difficulties dissuade you from, from trying. Purdue would be happy to share both the, those things that have worked well and the mistakes we've made with anybody who wants to try a school uh, of, uh, or schools of their own. But uh, again, uh, unless you're prepared to just settle for a, a, a student population uh, that is um, in, in most places not what any of us would wish it to be, you just may have to take some direct action. Maybe there's a better way than we've chosen, but uh, doing nothing, I don't think... Uh, uh, does justice to the mission of higher ed. One of the things I really like about the Purdue Polytechnic uh, High Schools is you've started now three in the state. And you alluded to this earlier, Mitch. It's, it's, it's not just about sort of the academic preparation, but it's also about making sure that there are the life skills so that you're ready to learn. 
And there's a direct link to career and particularly uh, jobs of the future, jobs in high tech, really uh, in the sweet spot of, of what Purdue does w in, and offers for their, their graduates. So talk about this whole notion of school to career and not only where it is, but where you see it going in the future. Because in the past, there was so much talk around, you need a college education, maybe you need a liberal arts education. But now I think there's this reality that these kids today who are graduating, you want to set them up for success in their careers and in, 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 in allow them to be able to access jobs of the future. I don't think it's treasonous of somebody who's spent uh, uh, years and years in higher ed to say that we have, I think, overemphasized the four-year degree um, and, uh, and uh, uh, told too many young people that that's an essential, that's uh, the passport to a good career, you ought to go for it, because many, many of them uh, tried and didn't succeed and wound up no better off. In fact, in too many cases, worse off. They don't have a credential that did them any good, and they do have debt, or at least they lost a couple, three years. They could have been earning money or learning the learning skills. So I think we see um, across the, the society now, business for sure, and increasingly government, awake to the fact that there are many other ways, uh, pathways that uh, might suit many of today's young people better than that um, a bachelor's degree that we've, we've held out there for, for a long time. Um, and so uh, I applaud all that. We, we've got to somehow uh, solve the community college problem. We're pouring lots of money in there. It's a good thing to do. Um, results there are not very good. But we've got to get better at it, um, I think, in many cases. Um, at least in Indiana, I see this. We drifted away from what we'd call vocational education, uh, the, the teaching of, of hard, tangible job skills, and uh, you know, tried to uh, send a lot of students down, a, again, an academic path, maybe toward an associate degree, dreaming that they would finally wind up with a bachelor's and didn't happen in too many, in that high a percentage of cases. Uh, so. Uh, all those things, I think, are important. I want to mention one other aspect of this, Kevin, that Purdue's jumped into, and that's adult education. Yes. Um, as, as your listeners will know, but most Americans don't, there are far more uh, Americans out there who started college and never finished than all the students who are in college today. In fact, it's about twice as many. And so um, we believed that just as we had to extend the land-grant mission at the early end, the high school end we just talked about, in the 21st century, the land-grant mission can't stop at age 22 or 23 or 24. And so we now operate Purdue Global. It has 35,000-plus students. They are almost all working adults. Um, and... Uh, if we can get, when we get those students, and we do now thousands of times a year to a degree they didn't complete before, um, their, their prospects in life go up very measurably. And so that's something else we got to get better at as a society. And I think there's a lot of attention to that now. And uh, 
Uh, and I hope a lot of talented people will, uh, will, will find ways to make that successful. I mean, these, these, these people aren't going to be able to move back on a college campus. They shouldn't even think about it. It has to be basically online or something using the tools we have these days. But it can be done successfully. And if you want to have an emotional experience, just come to a Purdue Global graduation and see single moms, grandparents, um, you know, uh, people who have uh, hit, hit up dead ends in life for one reason or another who are now suddenly have a, a new lease, as we say. And it's a very fulfilling thing to do, every bit as much to me as, as watching brilliant young, you know, engineers uh, and biologists leave our undergraduate commencements. So, Mitch, I, I really appreciate you joining. And I do have one last question that I can't ask everybody, but with your sort of uh, depth of experience in the K through 12 and higher ed uh, systems, um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on something that I really want to know. And here's here it is. Uh, if you had to start up, <laughs> you know, our K through 12 system from scratch, um, and that means you had the power, uh, you like being executive. This is an executive position where you're reshaping K through 12 with an eye toward where you think we're headed in the future. What would it look like? Uh, and again, that's not an insult to people who are already in the system, but your focus on innovation, creativity, and forward-looking approaches to engaging young people uh, has been the centerpiece of your uh, your career. And for many who, 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 like you, feel that we can do things differently, one of the first things that you hear people say, if I could wave a magic wand, I would do this. What would that look like in K-12? through I don't pretend to have all the answers, but it's an interesting question. I'll, I'll make a partial stab at it. The early years would be really concentrated on fundamentals. It's simply a, a, should be an absolute must that young people after the second or third grade or somewhere in there um, are literate and numerate and have the basic skills to, um, to learn the, all the complex material that the world is going to throw at them. Um, it would, uh, and, and if, if a school doesn't do anything else, it should do that. You know, I, I used to say sometimes in frustration, seeing how many young people were moving into fourth and fifth and sixth grade, couldn't even read, sometimes high school students. I, you know, I used to say, you know, by the time some, a young person gets through third grade, you know, Indiana spent, I don't know, 50000 or more dollars on them. I guarantee you I could find a reading tutor who could, <laughs> could teach them that for less. Uh, that, and so it's those basics, I would say, I would, I would have a system of great freedom where the dollars follow students wherever uh, the students' parents uh, believe is best for them, that would encourage innovation uh, and, um, and um, uh, creativity in, in, in how they are, they are taught. I would have very, as we do in many places, you know, clear standards that schools, whatever their nature, and need to meet, and that is to say their students need to meet. And um, as we can with charter schools, you know, 
uh, close those that aren't doing a good job um, and uh, uh, then uh, enable and encourage the young people to go to some school doing a better job. So maximum choice uh, would certainly be a part of it. And then I would, uh, again, as, as I think enlightened states are doing, uh, in, in teacher preparation selection, uh, much less emphasis on uh, classroom methodology, much more emphasis on practical time in the classroom before becoming a full-time teacher, and much more uh, requirement for content knowledge, especially in the, in the sciences and, and, and in math. So hmm. uh, I know there are probably, there's certainly more complete answers, probably better answers, but uh, th- there's a stab at some of the things that on my whiteboard I would, I would draw. All worthwhile. And if they only would listen to us, right, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate having you on What I Want to Know. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.